the thing that's special about TikTok that no other social media platform has, and one of the reasons I was drawn to it so quickly, is discoverability. Every other platform is about sharing your content. You will not get viewership on Twitch just because you are playing on Twitch. Twitch has zero discoverability. Where TikTok, it's 100% discoverability. If you are creating art of any variety anywhere and you want to build an audience to it, you can get your audience from TikTok to other platforms. It takes effort, and, 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 but that's the goal of TikTok, right? Is it, is, it is an advertising platform. The people that are making a, a living by being extremely TikTok famous are doing it through brand deals outside of the TikTok fund, right? The money you make on TikTok is nothing. That's a, one of the largest actual criticisms of TikTok. A lot of people are making a lot of content for them and they don't pay very well versus YouTube that pays a lot better. But yeah. the reverse of that is they are paying in literal exposure. <laughs> yes. um, and there's value to that. Welcome to Humans of Magic. My guest this week is Alex Kessler, AKA Kess Wiley. Alex is the CEO and founder of Kess.co, a kick-ass toy company. He's also a magic creator and the longtime host of the MM Cast. Alex and I sit down for a conversation. We talk about content, the secrets of TikTok, why One Piece is the modern-day odyssey, and even the new Lord of the Rings set. Enjoy. I use Riverside. And I heard there's actually a time limit when it comes to Zencaster. Like you can't do more than two hours. I'm not sure if that's true or not. Uh, I pay for it. So if you pay for it, that that limit doesn't doesn't affect you. Because oh well, then problem solved. Because I yeah, pay yeah. for this thing, so it's really equivalent. Yeah, yeah. I think I think yeah. It it um it also like because because I don't edit our podcast anymore. I don't have I don't have the time to breathe. <laughs> uh, so like it's nice because our editors can just like log in. Uh, and download the files from their end and having a paid version lets you do that you get higher quality there's a bunch of like slice of life stuff that makes it a lot easier but if you pay the free version it has the it has like the free zoom thing where it like cuts you out if you um after a certain time limit which yeah, I, yeah. like i use because shivam had me on his podcast and he uses it as well and i and he like was complaining about the stuff between free and not free. And I was like, how much does it cost? And it's like, you know, normal subscription free price. I was like, oh, I'll just pay for it. I'm paying for other stuff for this podcast. That's more expensive unnecessarily. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like as I get older, I'm just paying more for software and just paying more for stuff. Whereas like when I was, when I was young, I was like, yeah, I got a bootleg. I got to like, I got to like maximize value or I, like get it off Napster. And now it's just like, I just want to like pay to get quality, you know? It's it like I, I've started and it's an, a bad habit likely to like, what is my hourly rate in life? <laughs> and is the effort to get this thing for free take more time than my hourly rates that I've decided I have in life? And most of the time, it's not worth more than, than if I was getting paid. So I'm just like, I'll just pay $15 a month for, or, you know, or I'll buy this or I'll do this like easier thing or pay for valet at a parking structure. Cause it's like $5 extra for parking. But now I'm not spending like 10 to 20 minutes trying to find a spot and having to yeah. forget where my car is and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Life is short. Life is yeah. short. Um, actually you just reminded me when I was, uh, cause I know, I know I visited you in LA and then, Actually, it's funny because a month later, my wife and I actually went back to California, but we didn't like stay around LA the, uh, the, the second time. We didn't stay in LA. We stayed in Orange County, which is a lot nicer, obviously. And uh, I think we ooh, went to... Those are fighting words, but continue. Those are fighting words. All right. I know you're an LA, you're an LA native, so yeah, I, I shouldn't start a fight at the very beginning of the podcast. But uh, I think we went to 
we we just googled for a restaurant and we didn't know it was like a universal studio so we ended up like um going in there uh, but it was pretty nice because like at first we were like oh man do we have to pay 30 dollars for the valet parking and then they're like oh if you eat at the restaurant then you just get like 25 dollars off or you can just like rebate yeah. it so yeah. essentially it was so funny we didn't actually end up going to universal studio but we went in there just to eat but it was actually fine you drove so. all the way from orange county to universal studios for dinner we were we were in la for like some appointment oh, and then okay, no okay. for lunch and then in the morning we were like oh yeah we gotta eat somewhere so got it, it, was, got it. it just kind of lined up so um it wasn't one of those things like we're not gonna go to, uh it was it was the chinese restaurant in universal it wasn't like it's not a destination restaurant sure, I think sure, we, ended sure. up, we ended up going to like an amazing korean barbecue in k-town that night that's uh, and that was really a uh, sentence that's true. <laughs> uh, yes, yes. Being in K Town and getting amazing Korean barbecue is is a, is the move. <laughs> yes, and I actually asked uh, Josh Lee Kwai, like, okay, is this restaurant decent? Because I think he's a foodie, or maybe him yes. and Jimmy. And then they're like, yeah, yeah, this is legit. You got to do it, and and that's what we did. So they they are they are generally the people I go to when I'm like, I want Korean barbecue, but I'm in San Gabriel. Where should I go? And they're like, go to this place. This is the best, and I'm, they're generally right. <laughs> A living, breathing, uh, 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 I don't know, Yelp or I think that, yeah, that, that's if, if you want, is. if you're in LA and you want good Korean barbecue re uh, recommendations, Jimmy and Josh are go-tos. If you want good ramen recommendations and or noodle soup recommendations, I'm the one to go to. <laughs> I still have very well. fond memories of the place you took me. Like I, I, that was a very good spot. That was a very, that was a very, very nice spot. So like, are you just like the ramen Connoisseur. Yeah, I don't know how it. Well, I know how it happened. I just keep eating it. But, you just assume the uh, man. Yeah. It just ends up being. There's like there was a weird. It was like when the pandemic kind of not ended because we're still in it, but when like travel started slowing up and and a lot of the like LA based um, YouTube gameplay shows, game nights, uh, tabletop jocks, a few of the others were all like getting people in at the same time. Where I ate at the restaurant I took you like six times in two weeks because Rebel was visiting, Nathan was visiting, Jim was visiting, Olivia was visiting. Like it was just like people kept visiting, and I was like, I'm just, I literally like think I felt like I gained ten pounds because I kept eating at like different ramen <laughs> restaurants around Los Angeles. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, my uh, our offices and like where me and my wife first lived uh, when we first uh, moved in together is in an area called Sotel Japantown, and it's like a little small version of little tokyo on the west side of la that um the reason is this an interesting story we don't have to get into that but basically there's like a run of like four of the best ramen restaurants arguably in the country um which like that's one of the, like the whole foodie thing for me is like i travel so much for work that i've been able to eat at some really great restaurants around the world and and um and been very and my wife jokes because we'll get like ramen in a random city and be like oh this isn't great weirdly enough i got it in nuremberg germany recently and it was great i had like one of the better the best meal we had there was like a ramen place called ramen oh, really? did you did you look it up or was it just like you uh, just found... uh my secret for 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 finding good restaurants while traveling outside of recommendations is i use tiktok uh to find good restaurant recommendations like i refuse to use yelp i refuse to use TripAdvisor. All, uh, Google, all of that is so SEO driven that these restaurants have like figured out and these major corporations have figured out that the restaurants mm -hmm. you end up are super big tourist traps and always kind of suck. Yeah, so half the TikTok, reviews are fake. Yeah, 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 exactly. If you go to TikTok, you find like that random video of like some random local who's like, these are my five favorite restaurants in Nuremberg, Germany. And they like go through it and you're like, okay, this is just a regular person, but these restaurants look good and they have like videos of the food and it's all real. And you're like, okay. I'd rather do that. And that eventually will also be gamed, right? But at least the TikTok algorithm is really punishing to fake content 
generally or like try like corporations trying to figure it out it's why like the most common corporate account successful tiktok is like a intern being like or a social media director being like if i don't film this video my boss will fire me please like it (laughs) (laughs) um which is always fascinating (laughs) that that's actually a good a good topic to to start with, it's like it's like TikTok. I mean, you're you're just someone who whom I admire a lot for like just just completely like being native to TikTok, right? Like I, I just feel like you are doing something that other magic creators may not necessarily be able to do, which is like you just know the game. You just know how TikTok works. Like like is that just like something innate to you or so so me, uh Joe, uh and Zbex or Black Nido and Zbex were kind of like the first three magic content creators on TikTok, uh, and then a bunch of other people grew off of that. Right? It was like kind of a really interesting window. Um, I was on TikTok earlier just partially due to um, ADHD, enjoying just like swiping through video feeds, and I was like finding myself doing it because Facebook or Instagram would automatically do it if you get in a video loop. And then like my wife was using it as musically before it became TikTok as like a game so she forced me to download it at some point to like do something she stopped using it but then i like opened it and started just like cycling through it and like realized that you could get very high quantity of views with significantly different levels of effort especially early on um than like uh, what I was less doing. effort right yeah, yeah less effort. yeah yeah than what i was doing on youtube or what i was doing on on twitch or whatever and so I just started posting more for work. So so for my toy company, I was like posting. We we had a Squishies collectible line because you know it was like oh kids are on this app. This is appealing to them. Um, I had a few videos hit like the two hundred fifty thousand mark without without too much effort. And then um, just realized I started making magic content too. At first I was like trying to not do magic content because like okay this can be an outlet outside of that. Um, and then. But like, couldn't help myself because you know, <laughs> like, talk about is that. Um, well, TikTok and... also doesn't really punish you for like being a variety person, right? So, so you just like ish, throw things. It, it, it doesn't. It doesn't. Right? Like, you have to. If you're, it depends what you're trying to do, right? If you're fishing for hits, it doesn't matter. Uh, but once you start building a following, it does start mattering. So early on, if you were to start a TikTok account right now, what I'd recommend is just variety content. Make five videos a day about whatever is you're in your brain. Talk to the camera, but you are in, uh, on things you are an expert on or things that you love. And that model, and I've done it for a bunch of people. I did it for Ben. Uh, 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 I helped actually the Nerdist account get started at one point. Um, the the That process will eventually get you a hit. You'll hit something. And whatever that hit is, the model should be lean into that hit. Is it Animal Crossing? Is it, you know, what the best type of chairs you should buy for your gaming setup? Is it anime bases, whatever, as soon as it hits, start leaning into that piece of content. And if it's specific, the more specific you are, like if the more you can regenerate the exact video you can, the better. That's the way to like hit success on TikTok in a big way. And and it's, it, there's, it's a try and trusted model. A bunch of people have done it. It's not that, it's hard to do in the sense that like that first period where you're making five videos a day 
about whatever you're coming to your head or whatever you can think of. And every one of those videos is getting 10 views a video is brutal. <laughs> yeah. But if you stick to it, you'll eventually start. It's like someone did the math and it's like every creator, if you're, as long as you have good lighting, good sound, like all the basic stuff that you can get with an iPhone. And like right. the reason early on in TikTok, which welcome to ADHD, I'm going to mid sentence veer early on in TikTok, a really successful type of video was people talking to the mirror in bathrooms and they realized that the reason that those were finding such success beyond just like being like uh this isn't a studio so like the realism of it was able to like appeal to audiences but the big one was just that the lighting in a bathroom is good enough for a someone to do <laughs> yeah, makeup the lighting's better, or yeah, like yeah. shave or whatever and so yeah. like you just have good lighting in a bathroom <laughs> mm -hmm. and so those videos were doing really well because early tiktok was like oh if a video has good lighting that's something that we'll push forward so it was interesting like early on seeing like different stuff and different activities and how they trend out for me. I like use TikTok as just an ADHD platform for whatever I'm thinking. And, uh, you know, it, it's always something I say, like I, I'll do magic content consistently. And the magic content I do on TikTok is guaranteed decent activity, right? Like, like almost every magic video I put out has between one and 5,000 views the majority hit five to 10,000 and one out of every 10 will get to the hundred thousand view count area. Right. But that's it. That's like the hard cap. It, and that hard cap has grown. It used to be 50,000 was the hard cap recently with more creators getting on more magic players getting on TikTok, It's grown up and uh, gone up in, in what that top cap is. The other content I make, which is mostly like anime focused or nerd culture focused, or just like whatever I'm doing in life focused, that stuff is the stuff that has the potential to do the million view count stuff. Like all my million view videos or I have, I have a playlist over 90,000, which is like all my videos that have hit over 90,000 views. Most of those aren't magic related. They're one piece related or my hero academia mm -hmm. or animal crossing or that gaming. I have that gaming chair video that went viral everywhere. So that like that content, cause it just has a wider audience, right? Magic is very niche, but due to 10 years of content creation, I've been able to, to build it somewhat of an audience to squeeze, like, oh, to squeeze the limits i, I understand like, i understand squeeze it out of that magic rock whatever that is right i just can talk about magic for hours there's a 15 not 15 year we're at we're at a 10 year this is the the 10 this october will be our 10 year anniversary 10 year podcasts 54 episodes a year hour and 20 minutes an episode it's a lot <laughs> it is it is an intense body of work and uh, I'll, I'll definitely get into that, but I want to. I want to also ask some questions more about TikTok. So, like, um, what should we, should we should I introduce myself? Have we? Are you? Will you do that ahead of time? I don't know. Oh, I'll do that ahead of time. I'll do. Okay. I'll do an intro for you. So don't cool. don't worry. We'll, we'll, the <laughs> so world will know who uh, Alex Kess Wiley Kessler is. Yes. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I like to just drop right into it. So cool. Um, but yeah, my question about uh, my other thing about TikTok is like, I kind of started from. Like, what the F is this? Uh, you know, old man yelling at clouds uh, towards TikTok. And now I've just kind of like, I'm just kind of like, you know, if you're in the game to do content, you need to figure out what this is. Or you should have done it yesterday, really. But yeah, um, you, you like, don't hate the, don't hate the game. Like, it, that's the game. So it's like, you know, I, I feel like there's a lot of purists who are kind of like, I'm in 2010 and I want to like do slow, long form stuff. And sure, I mean, if, if that's uh, what floats your boat, buddy, like, go ahead, you know, keep doing that more power to you. But it's like, 
the world is going in a certain direction. So it's like, I always, I'm always fascinated by like how people do it, you know, on the new platforms. That, I mean, that was a hard, you know, I, I had a lot of friends early on who were like, you know, before I started a toy company, I was like in the video production YouTube space. And I have a lot of friends who are like in that world still. And they tried doing tech talk and couldn't do it because they were putting the effort needed to do TV, video, YouTube content per video. And the bandwidth of effort it takes to do that is so high for the results on limited video release content. And, and, and kind of basically the idea is like, TikTok doesn't care that much about how high quality the video is. Is if a video of high quality has a slightly higher chance to do well, sure. But the, the percentage of it doing well chances versus loose talking to the camera to your hand or a video out on the street is not very high the line between those two options and if you're a and but what TikTok does want you to do is quantity of content right it wants yep. more videos from an account not necessarily better quality ones where like YouTube historically has been the opposite right YouTube it does want quantity of content but it wants high quality long form content that's that's changing now too because YouTube is playing catch up with shorts well, yeah. now now everyone's trying to yeah. be TikTok so the, the world has yeah. changed <laughs> um but the the um, so they would, it, you know, if you're like putting your heart and soul into every single video, creating artwork, which is a debatable content that some TikToks aren't artwork, because I actually think a lot of TikTok off the cuff is still art, but the, the, like, and then you're getting 10 videos of view, video, video, sorry, you're getting 10 views of video off of all of that effort. And it's taking you a week to put out one piece of video versus the person who's putting three videos out a day because they're doing a little bit whatever's easiest for them that can be disheartening right and a lot of people i know dropped out to your point and the other half is yeah there's just every new social media website is going to have boomerisms applied which is yeah. like i uh, you know and and i've done that to social media apps myself right and like i be real is something i'm just never going to do <laughs> <laughs> yeah actually yeah where where is be real now i heard so much about that a few months ago like is it still it's going? still around i mean tiktok added the functionality of be real to itself like snapchat is a better example like it hit yeah, in that yeah. perfect late 20s i'm on facebook and twitter i don't and instagram i don't need another social media app and like there's like i i never hit instagram was never a big thing for me photos aren't really a thing that i'm like trying to look at very much um, now it's all videos on there anyway and now yeah now it's just TikTok reposts right um and so just whatever you know, video format easy to watch you know early TikTok also just was like a lot more meme based almost and so it was it like one of the other ways to do well on it is like look for the meme and then take your niche magic the gathering one piece yeah, and recreate up. the meme yeah. with your niche do and and that that's also like you know something that like just using the app will teach you kind of how to do. But yeah, to yeah, your yeah. point on should people be doing it or what should be doing it or should they have been doing it yesterday? TikTok is the thing that's special about TikTok that no other social media platform has. And one of the reasons I was drawn to it so quickly is discoverability, right? Every other platform other than maybe Twitter being, which is my second most used social media platform. Uh, every other platform is about sharing your content right? It, uh, Twitch, for instance, you will not get viewership on Twitch just because you are playing on Twitch. Twitch has zero discoverability. Correct. It you is have a flawed to, platform. You have to share it to other places and get your audience from other places to get to Twitch. YouTube is not far that far beyond that. Uh, uh, Instagram is not far beyond that. Facebook's not far. All of these are share to people to get follower platforms. Where TikTok, 
I think if I looked at my algorithm right now, I think 10% of my views come from my follower base, 5% maybe at times that the video is doing well. And that's what's great about it is it is, it's a hundred percent discoverability. Now the reverse side of that is because every video I post doesn't go to a hundred percent of my followers. Follower count matters a little bit less than viewership count and hooking people per video. But you know, if you are creating art of any variety anywhere and you want to build an audience to it, it's the opposite of Twitch. And for instance, if you're a Twitch streamer, you should be making TikToks tomorrow. You should get every VOD you can get onto, onto TikTok in some way. Your best moments, get any clips that people clip oh, just, of you. Just pump it out, man. Just pump it out like five to ten a day. Because because TikTok, you can get your audience from TikTok to other platforms. It takes effort and 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 but that's the goal of TikTok, right? Is it is it is an advertising platform for other Is that is that your goal or is it to be for TikTok or is it to just basically have fun? Like like do you have concrete goals when it comes to TikTok? No, it's to have fun. Because <laughs> okay. uh, uh, I've heard I, monetizing is also notoriously challenging you, compared to you some should, other. If your goal is to make a living by being a TikToker, you will not succeed. If your goal is to use TikTok to make a living somewhere else, yeah, full stop. I mean, it's possible people have done it, but the people that are making a, a living by being extremely TikTok famous are doing it through brand deals outside of the TikTok fund, right? The money you make on TikTok is nothing. That's a, one of the largest actual criticisms of TikTok. Everything that's happening in the news now, whatever. The actual criticism of TikTok that any creator should have is a lot of people are making a lot of content for them and they don't pay very well versus YouTube that pays a lot better. But yeah. the reverse of that is they are paying in literal exposure. <laughs> yes. um, and there's value to that. Now there's as much value as put into it. I, I use TikTok for fun. I like my, I make a living making toys and selling the, you know, Walmarts and Target and <laughs> Toys R Us in, their, in other countries yeah. now, no longer in the U S but, um, and you know, the, the whole, my entire content creation thing is, is my hobby, right? That that's, mm -hmm. I'm doing this for, for, you know, we monetize in ways, but those monetizations are more to fund the people that are helping me create it, our editors or, or the, you know, on the podcast or, um, it's like the, it's like the Mr. Beast mode, like the money you make from the content goes back into the content in some yeah. way. Right. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Uh, or, or yeah. buys magic cards. One of the other. <laughs> or buys magic cards, right, right. Disposable, funds, funds luxury, hobby, hobby <laughs> items. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but having said that, like when you go and create a, uh, a TikTok and like you're trying to make it uh, go viral or have mass appeal, is it just because like you want as many people as possible to see it? Or is it like, or is there something intrinsic in your mind, like about like taking on a challenge? Like, can I go viral? Can I, can I do this? Um, so and, and this is like, this is like during the hive era or whatever, all the different like post Twitter Elon moments. Um, you know, it is hard for me to use a social media platform if there isn't an immediate or a consistent feedback loop. Um, so notifications, people interacting, why am I like posting stuff into a void is not something I want to do. Um, so, so the bigger the following, the less of a void I'm posting into, I guess, is maybe the goal. Um, I love the fact that I can, like, post a t poll right now on Twitter and I'll get 3,000 people voting in it telling me, are hot dogs or tacos better? Or are hot yeah, dogs yeah. tacos? Are they the same thing? You know, what, whatever that content. The like crazy replies and all that, too. Comes yeah. to the head. So, like, am I making content to go viral? Eh. Um, it's great when it happens, right? That's like the goal, like winning is having a, a video, like hit it off and go viral. But the goal is just to talk and build a community and get to say stuff and have people appreciate, like I, I live for the fact that like, you know, right now the, 
when we're recording this, we're in the midst of the March of the Machine uh, story releases where the previews start next week. Um, and I've been doing recaps of every story and, and they've been people extremely appreciative of it. That's what's worth yeah, it yeah. is the, is the comments awesome. being like, Hey, keep doing this. This is amazing. Thank you so much. Um, the most, like the, the best one probably was, uh, the, um, Vraska, um, side story, the invasion of Ravnica that happened. Spoilers for the March of Machine story. I believe this episode is coming out months from, or not months from now, but later. So weeks from now, out, yeah, weeks from yeah, now, not right away. Yeah. <laughs> the whole I set think is Hello, yeah. future. You know what cards are in this set. We don't yet. <laughs> uh, I can't believe Vraska was really a, a ghost the whole time. We should just but... record a whole bunch of things, like possible outcomes, right? Oh, man, yeah, yeah, I can't yeah. believe they dropped this. I can't believe they dropped yeah, that. Yeah, I can't <laughs> believe Jace was an elephant the whole time. Uh, <laughs> um, um, but... Uh... It's heartbreaking. The Vraska story on Ravnica, like literally I was bawling through the entire story and I actually just started recording the video right after it and I kind of cried through the whole video. Um, and people were really appreciative of that. They were like, yes, I'm glad someone else was as heartbroken by this story. It's Alison Lur, who is the, um, was the head writer for the... Matt, for for specifically the uh, Ixalan storyline, uh, all of yep. the the the, uh, the stories centered around Jason Vraska's relationship, uh, they are now at um, Destiny. They're part of the Destiny writing team at uh, at Bungie, um, but they came back, and this was the final story they wrote for Wizards, uh, and it was the like a, kind of the culmination of Vraska and Jason's relationship through that, and it is. Um, I was a tra I was a train wreck. <laughs> it, like it broke me. I like all day yesterday. I just was like in and out of just depression <laughs> because of oh man. How hopefully it's, you're it's, better now. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, thinking about I'm getting chills just thinking about thinking okay. about the story. So, um, but I did a you know I did a recap on it and we I posted all those to YouTube if you want to watch them. They're they're on the MMCast YouTube channel as like a playlist that's easy to find. But. Um, it was, it's just like really fun doing that and have people respond to it positively. It's 100% just the, the positive feedback loop of like, I'm creating stuff that people like watching. Like mm -hmm. I, going viral is, you know, a sign of that being true, right? Like, oh, people loved this. This is great. But I'll read every comment. Like I know people, creators often just like don't read the comments, right? Um, which is true sometimes. Like I'll, I'll like read like the podcast reviews on the actual like iTunes app or uh, the negative comment somewhere. And I'll like tilt for like 24 hours being like, oh no, someone said something mean. <laughs> um, but uh, most of the time it's positive and, and, or it's constructive feedback, right? Like don't, Early on, I would say like, right, 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 right. Uh, after every sentence in podcasting, or I'd have other verbal tics that the comments are what told me like, oh, maybe I should work on not doing I, after every sentence. You know, you know what I found, Alex? I found that I used to be a lot more caring about those tics. It's almost like the equivalent of like, I used to care about things being more polished and non-TikTok-y. And now I just feel like if we're vibing and we have a conversation and I say oh, a few times because I can get to the point or whatever and i interrupt you which i've already done like 10 million times today so i, I apologize in advance that's just not usually how i am uh because i just felt like the tempo of the conversation is going a certain way but i'm just going to change it up like i just like i'm talking much faster because you're talking faster compared to the guests i had before and that's fine i just feel like everything is so is like situational right and, yeah. and i don't know it's just like I, i've really like kind of deviated from having these sort of like sacred cows of doing content you know oh i i Yes. <laughs> I, I like as the person That's famous as for like, as you're going to get today. Yeah. <laughs> as as the person famous for like 
uh every tweet has a typo in it uh yeah being succinct uh or or polished is overrated it, i feel like being real and uh just who you are is going to get you a lot farther especially on the internet than than anything um but the i lost you or you're frozen I'm just frozen for you. Yeah, then? you were frozen and I couldn't hear you. I can oh, you're okay, now moving okay. it and I can hear you, but there okay, it, okay. it was like when it shut okay. down earlier. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh hopefully it's not impacting you too much. It doesn't put you on tilt, hopefully. Oh no, I'm totally fine. <laughs> okay, okay. Plus okay. we live in the world yeah. of post COVID Zoom meetings where like I've had like my most important work meeting of the entire year and like the connection's bad and like every other sentence oh, is goodness. like delag. So if I can yeah. emotionally handling that, this is great. <laughs> this is honestly why I moved to this because I was doing Zoom and it was just like freezing every three oh. seconds, and it's just like I can't, I can't. We do used that. we used Zoom early on for the the we did, we did a Monday night Commander stream when everyone was doing Commander streams during COVID just to play some version of Magic, to be honest, and. Um, we immediately moved away from zoom. <laughs> <laughs> um, There's a testimonial right there. Yeah. The don't the don't use zoom. Everybody yeah, test yeah, Wiley yeah. <laughs> message yeah. on top. Um, I, I gotta, I, I gotta ask you though. Um, like, cause if I, if I think of Twitter and TikTok as kind of fast Twitch content creation, like it's just, it's just feeding our, our impulses, instant gratification. Right. Then how do you reconcile that as a creator with, the podcasting stuff, which is like what we're doing or what you do with Ben. Like it's a much, it's a much more, it's much more like slow burn and it takes time to develop and actually talking and not tweeting. Like, is there, is there like a different part of your brain that does it? Or are you just so like able to context switch now? Uh, so for the podcast, I would say the podcast or podcasting as a format has the ability to be as freeform as the previous two you mentioned. Right. Like in similar how we were just talking about, right. You were saying I'm not as polished anymore. We just were vibing together and having a conversation. That's what the podcast is. Right. So it's not that different. It's, it's it, the big difference is time timing, right? Like on Twitter, I have a, whatever, 180. Now I have more characters, but because Elon Musk is wild. <laughs> uh, now you have unlimited power. Yes. <laughs> Uh, for the record, I was paying for Twitter Blue before Elon Musk existed because it lets you edit your tweets, <laughs> and if you then that gets rid of seventy five percent of the typos that I would be having in them. So, uh, and also you get ten minute video uploads, which is really important for reposting the ten minute TikToks that I now am making. So, Elon sucks, uh, regardless. But um, the um, as far as the podcast goes, you know, and, 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 t and TikTok has, you know, had minute long. Now it has three minutes, now it's 10 minutes. But uh, once you pick when you start a video and making it, what the length is, it's hard to, in the app, keep content you've made while extending the time if you run out of time. So you have to just, like, decide ahead of time how long this is going to take. But if you do a three-minute minute or a 10-minute video in TikTok, different features are no longer available. For instance, on TikTok, if you stitch... Uh, a video which is like someone else has a video and you want to it's basically quote tweeting you're responding to something someone else said that's a lot of the like what did you have for dinner today and then you stitch and then you say what you wanted uh which is like early tiktok content for me was like cursed magic questions that people could answer in that way um you can't if it's a three minute video the audio of that first stitch video no longer exists it, it you have to like so like there's features that go away the longer so the Ben, the TikTok thing is you have to speak in a minute, right? You have to get your whole idea succinctly. And there's a lot of videos of mine that are like 
going through a rant and then the last five seconds are like, <laughs> just like trying to possible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or I'll have like a brick of text of everything I was going to say yeah. written out being like in that five seconds. Mm-hmm. But um, for a podcast, which you have unlimited time theoretically outside of, you know, your actual day-to-day schedule. Um, but I've, I, to, to, to your question, content that does take thought and forethought, I'm terrible at scripted content. It is um, one of the first things I did as a content creator was the show Top Decking. And I acted in three scenes total for the two seasons. And we were trying to get all of the people behind the scenes as cameos as much as possible. And the reason I was only in two of those scenes is because I hate reading scripts. <laughs> I like can't memorize them. I don't get it right every time. Um, there's even even one of the recap videos I did. Uh, it was the Elsbeth one when, I guess spoilers, but for three weeks ago, uh, Elsbeth becomes an angel. I read, I, I wrote this really good tweet months ago about like Elsbeth maybe becoming an angel. And it was like this like, like 12 bit Elsbeth twice reborn, uh, you know, uh, called it. Yeah. From Nick's, uh, you know, or, or escape, uh, Nick's escapee. Like it was, it was like a game of Thrones epitaph of like all of her accomplishments. And then it was like, and is now standing in front of Elishnor and pissed. And I like was trying to read that as like the intro to this 10 minute recap video I was doing from the story where she comes back. And it is so stalted. It's like badly acted. It's like, I like when I posted it to Twitter, I deleted that part of it. <laughs> um, Cause it's just like, I can't reading scripts is hard for me. I'm much better. You know, I took five years of improv in middle school and high school to not have to, to read scripts. Yeah. Yeah. So does that mean when you and uh, the current process that you and Ben Bateman have, like, is there is there just is there just a general outline, or do you guys just kind of improv and how does it work? So throughout time, it's been different. Um, right now, it's it's totally just us talking. There's no we we like have a subject, so it'll be uh, we're reviewing the set or we're Lord of the Rings about, or something. Yeah, yeah, Lord of the Rings, yeah. or we're talking about what is Magic Thirty or. Um, whatever the drama on Twitter of that week is or whatever. What's the best deck in modern? What's the modern metagame? So we'll have like ideas and depending on the ideas, more research or less research is needed. But almost always we like, that's the, that's the extent, right? At most we're like the most work we'll put into an episode really beforehand, as far as like outlining what we're going to talk about is if we're doing like a top 10 episode, uh, we'll like each come up with our rankings of the top 10 of whatever that subject is. And then we'll battle those top tens against each other, not knowing what the other person's is, um, which even then creates a sense of improv and, 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 you know, we, you see the surprise from us on what's going on. I, part of it is I've, I found like when we were planning out what we were going to talk about on the podcast, the conversation that we were having while planning was worth recording. Mm. where it's like oh we're like we just had this really good conversation on why liliana the veil is the best planeswalker in modern that's not as true anymore but at the time um to talk about it on the podcast and then when we tried recreating that conversation with intent it was 50 percent worse than just the first conversation we had about it and i wish we were recording that conversation so now when we start the podcast i just hit record we do a 15 minute um like exclusive to patreons where we'll maybe discuss what we're going to, you know, a little bit more planning. And then what we always have a conversation that's not magic related. Um, but then the podcast just rolls and we just start talking kind of as we're doing now, it's a, a co-interview. Ben's also really good at it too. Cause he comes from a background of like interviewing celebrities and on red carpets and like naturally being able to like have entertaining conversations on camera. Um, 
and so it's just worked for 10 years <laughs> nice nice so I, I listened to the recent episode you guys had and i guess this is like time machine moment because i guess it won't be the most recent when this comes out but um you guys were d discussing the one ring right you guys were discussing that the new, the new Lord of the Rings set. uh from the lord of the ring set yes uh and that specific card and you guys had a had a kind of like back and forth like you thought this is going to be pretty good or and I, I can't remember if you thought it was going to be really, it's pretty solid. And he said it was not that great or vice versa, but it's like, I guess that's not scripted at all. Right. That's just like, it just comes up organically. You guys yeah. just happen to have a difference of opinion. It wasn't like pre-planned or, or anything like that. Correct. And, we, and we've learned like, sometimes it's good to be contentious, right? Like if we'll walk into a conversation and if one of us is like on pro something, if we're both like, yeah, this is a good card. That's more boring than one of us will just disagree, yeah. disagree for fun's sake um that comes with like a level of just being annoyingly argumentative with each other in a way that's fun <laughs> but uh i believe that's i was better one, listening yeah. i was pretty pro the ring because mm -hmm. of the play pattern of like the fact that it's legendary you can sack it if you play a second one and then you get to keep re-triggering the triggers and ben was pretty off of it partially because it is a four mana artifact that draws you one card so um that was a good conference. That's a fun. I mean, we're both really excited for the Lord of the Rings set too because it's like, well, I could tell. Yeah, I mean, yeah he yeah. was listening. He, he's he's a life. I guess you guys are both lifetime fans, right? He he mentioned listening to the the Howard Shore soundtrack of the movie like a, a gazillion times. Oh, right. well, Ben like will that. sit in his apartment, drink a glass of wine while blasting either the Lord of the Rings soundtrack or the uh, Interstellar soundtrack, just like uh, <laughs> looking off okay. into the distance. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and then, uh, yeah, and I'm my, my like, you, I started with the animated series, right? Or the animated uh, Hobbit cartoon. That was my like intro as a child where I would like scare my sister who was terrified by Gollum when we were like six years old. So we're, we were, we're both, I feel like a lot of people are that, right? Like Lord of the Rings has yeah. been around before most of us have been alive. And so as long as you had some fantasy exposure, uh as a kid lord of the rings was especially back in like the 90s when harry potter didn't exist and uh yeah. uh like the renaissance of fantasy game of thrones or whatever wasn't a thing that existed mm -hmm. that was it like it was like lord of the rings or like disney animated movies yeah well there there was a point in history where like there actually was not an abundance of choice for literally everything yes like, like for example fantasy or uh I mean, I guess I guess Brander Sanderson comes to mind because he's been making the rounds with the recent article and all that stuff. But uh, like, there was a point in time where like you didn't have like that much stuff to read all the time, or maybe I shouldn't say that. Like, there's always stuff to read. You can never run out. But it's like you know, it, it was definitely more monoculture. Of yeah, a, I mean, it was a different time. It, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think I think I think you can make the art like not enough through it, but like also accessibility, right? Like without the internet. True. How do you know about like, it? Like, like the company TiVo existed for like 10 years for a reason, right? I mean, I, maybe, I think they still do exist, but like yeah. the idea that you could record TV that was airing and it didn't disappear into a void like a Buddhist sand painting was revolutionary. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, like the golden age of television, which is the serialized content leading a lot more into like the soap opera, con continuous story driven format was created by stuff like TiVo and DVD sales and the idea of just streaming. Because before that, every show had to be made that if you've never seen the show before or you'll never see the show again, you could sit down and watch this episode. So 
for having a show continue week to week or day to day was rare because the ability to catch up or rewatch it or if you miss something go back to it didn't exist that was it yeah. it was gone forever or you had to wait till the vhs came out and buying you know an entire season's worth of vhs you think a manga collection is <laughs> mm -hmm. uh going to be a a space taker it's like the, you know you get f at most four episodes per vhs and if it's a 24 yeah. hour episode season and um yeah so so i think i think like the availability of what content was available and, you know, then get into the fact that, you know, there used to be three television channels, not a hundred, not a thousand, not a thousand plus 17 streaming services that have unlimited content plus import content um, from other countries. You know, there, there was a point where like, you know, the, the, what you had available for entertainment was pretty limited and not to mention what was popular was limited. Right. I think one of the, that's one of the reasons geekdom speaking of the brandon sanderson article geekdom has become so much more massively culturally important where like before mm -hmm. if you were really into a niche finding other people that were into that niche was much harder and therefore to be able to relate to people on a day-to-day -day basis you kind of all had to collectively like the same stuff sports cars music um and like popular movies and popular tv and I think like even the counter like Star like you know there's always the joke on like the Star Wars fandom has this like I'm a nerd and that's and because I like Star Wars people you know whatever and but on the other hand like Star Wars is the most successful most popular franchise of yeah. all time right like there was a point yeah. was like I was always like kind of surprised when I was like oh you like Star Wars that's weird like no it's not <laughs> <laughs> that's like that's like wearing the the t-shirt that says you know like that was my this was my favorite band it's like that meme like before everybody started listening to it it was cool and now it's like you know it's mainstream so yeah Star Wars is definitely mainstream I, I have been a proponent I mean the reason so so I mean talking about making magic content and the reasons behind it the original reason me and Craig Blanchett made top decking and the reason I made magic content to begin with um was to make magic cool i want i want every hobby i have to be as popular as possible i am an evangelist you i want to am... express your fandom basically yeah. right there, there's a good uh tweet of mine about uh one piece so uh, my most recent obsession over the last two years is one piece which if you haven't watched it everyone should watch this show um it's a thousand episodes is it still long. on like i remember it being like a oh. thing like in shonen uh, in jump like uh manga like 10 15 years ago oh, it's, it's, a cool. it's a 25 year old show it's it is still airing weekly manga and weekly anime episodes every week wow not every so it's, it's like uh, magic it's never gonna it's never correct. gonna expire well, so that's that's something i mean we talk about star wars something i love is massive expansive universes brandon sanderson is another one i love because i love a world you can delve into with amazing world building and amazing characters and intricate details and stuff that by you having paid attention to 10 years ago is paying off the fact that like you know lim duel is the raven man and is coming back in magic the fact that characters from one piece from 600 that we haven't seen for 600 chapters are coming back and being relevant the fact that in star wars we're getting in like uh uh the mandalorian we're getting like characters from the clone wars tv sh like like obi-wan kenobi's love interest from the the clone wars tv shows voice actor actress is playing her now as one of the lead characters like all of that stuff 
is my personal obsession. So, uh, and the, the, the tweet I posted about One Piece was basically along the lines of, hi, I'm now obsessed with the show. I apologize for now on. This is going to be half of my personality. <laughs> yeah, you're going to have to deal with yeah. it. Um, and I can go on a long rant on why everyone should watch One Piece. Uh, but like, there's a really good, and it's a five hour long YouTube video that you don't need to watch. But it basically, One Piece <laughs> is the modern day odyssey. Is, was their thesis statement, and they did a very good job at proving that to be true. Uh, and, and kind of the idea is it's not the best piece of literature of our time, right? It's, there, there is maybe a more succinct um, piece of content. But through the fact that it is as long as it is, it's able to build things, but it also is able to represent the times that we're in in a way that is what one of the reasons the Odyssey has endured, right? Like the, the struggles of the people of that era are built into that story. And One Piece is very similar. And even for us now, 25 years later after it started, you see it evolve through the show where, like, it starts with, you know, more, like, mid-90s, more police brutality, corruption, and government. That's where kind of it starts. And then it extends into environmentalism and it extends into... um you know, more uh, racial relation based based uh, uh, conflicts that then extend into, you know, evolving uh, something that One Piece does a lot is it evolves on the concept it had before. So like um, the set, the first or the second big arc of the series is very focused on a government officially approved warlord uh, trying to take over a kingdom and the Straw Hats having to fight against that. And then the up until very recently, the longest arc in the series is a secondary version of that, showing what would happen if that type of character had won. And this was 20 years after the fact, and then dealing with that. And then, so it, it, it reiterates on itself in a really good way. I could talk. We could do an entire second episode. About you should just have me on again and to, uh, yeah, yeah. talk about One yeah. Piece. <laughs> I feel like you should have a One Piece podcast or or something. Like uh, if just, I did not um, have a child and a business and like six and already MM cast and all these I things, would right? have at this point. There's at least three okay. different things I've wanted to start since. Um, basically, COVID, and one of them is a One Piece podcast, which I'm not doing because I don't have the time. <laughs> Even yeah. scheduling this, we it was hard. I mean, to, to, to everyone, yeah, 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 we had yeah. to find like, especially because time zones. You're, you're, you're uh, in China. In China, yeah. I'm in LA. Um, like one of one of the challenges of being in LA as a magic content creator is so many of the things that we you kind of used to do, which is like 5 p.m. live streams that you would join, and then 5 p.m. because it's like East Coast, West Coast, the perfect timing. I'm not available until 8 p.m. because I have a son who's one year old. Yes. At the by the time this podcast release, we'll be one years old. Uh, he, oh, congrats! Um, thank yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. His birthday is uh, April. Uh, early congrats! I should <laughs> thank say. Thank you. Yes, yeah. uh, we're doing a Easter. It's on his birthday is Easter this year. We're Jewish, or I'm Jewish, uh, and but we're we're doing a dinosaur Easter egg hunt. Okay. So we got these little stuffed dinosaur, like they're stuffed animals that like envelop into an egg and apparently child safe and perfect. And we're going to hide them all over my parents' house and it'll be fun. And there'll be like six mm -hmm. children who don't know what's going on because they're all like one years old. <laughs> and mm -hmm. then, um, but different tangent, but, um, no, no, no. Um, that's, that's fine. I want to, I want to, I want to ask you about that. Like, uh, so I, don't worry. I have a list of things that I'm going to like go back to. So don't worry if you're like going on tangents, this is the show of tangents of tangents. This is what humans of magic is about. So, um, what's it been like the last 12 months being a, being a dad, I assume for the first time, right? Yeah, this is my, this is my first, first, first rodeo. uh, I am the yeah. oldest of six. So there are parts of it that are 
on identifiable on relatable or like familiar okay. right like it, it is interesting my wife is is the youngest of two and mm -hmm. like i definitely ahead of time have like i've changed diapers before right like not, not none of the like basic stuff is like it's new surprising whatever but being solely responsible for a child is a totally different game than being like the older brother to a child um and um it's it's awesome like it, it like and i have i i've learned on this subject matter specifically i, I want to be a little bit more careful because i my as we've talked my go-to relation to things i love is to evangelize them I want people to like the things I like. And I am very much enjoying being a dad, which I've then been like, now everyone needs to be a dad. <laughs> which is like... The dad podcast is the other side project, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I've, I've, there's, uh, if, you, we, if we are mutuals on TikTok, you will get uh, Ash and, and Alex uh, podcasts in the morning where I just recorded TikTok. But it's, it's mutuals only. I don't want... I'm not trying to get. I'm not trying to be a, a, a parent that has a famous child. That sounds terrible for your child. Um, yeah, trying um, to create the next uh, Macaulay Culkin. No, yeah, I, I'm like down. I'm not like on the scale. I have friends who are like, I'm not going to post a picture of them on the internet. I'm not. I'm not there, but I'm also not yeah. of the like. I'm trying to make this kid famous. I want neither of those. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna share what's going on in my life like I do everything else. Um, and but. Um, so we're got, if if you don't want to shout, that's great to the world. Uh, you everyone makes what's the best choice for them. This is it is a lot of work. It is exhausting. It's very expensive, um, but it's it's very it's really cool. Like just like it, we, earlier today, I was talking. I was like, oh, there's just like I can't explain how sick it is to be excited about the smallest things. Like he waved. That's amazing. The fact that he like made an L sound for the first time. The fact that he climbed onto a couch today. The fact that he's like mm -hmm. shaking his no head no for the first time. He doesn't know what no means, but he's like doing this. He couldn't do that two days ago. Mm -hmm. um, that's all amazing. That's very cool. He like, I, I, you know, there was a, uh, I'm, I'm a, a uh, physical jungle gym to a person now. <laughs> I spend the first two hours of my day just like laying on the floor in the middle of a room because he wants someone to be near him and he'll just climb over me and slap me in the face once or twice. <laughs> um, but it's 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 awesome. Being a dad is cool. I mean, and and it's it's a weird moment um, in history, right? Because uh, like we're at the tail end of COVID. You can kind of discuss where in that tail end we are um we he was born much more into covid where like we didn't he didn't see other people really for four months or like two months um just because we were afraid of him getting sick uh and you know after he got past i think it's it's 10 weeks you if you get a fever you no longer get hospitalized that's like the line um the doctor literally was like here's the deal the flu is scarier than COVID is for a baby. For an adult, COVID's way scarier. But for a baby mm -hmm. specifically, they actually don't react to it very, very much. And um, the thing to really, here's three other diseases that you should be way more afraid of, which didn't help me and my wife. And then, so we continued <laughs> hiding it from people. Uh, and like every person in the office that we work with, like you're all getting the flu shot. We will drag you there. <laughs> <laughs> Get your RSV, get your get your uh, uh, strep throat, and uh, what's the um, the tetanus shot? It, uh, but it's it's tetanus, tetanus and it's a, there's another whooping cough, uh, 
right? It's it's the same shot, I think. Whatever. There's like four diseases that like we made every single person we know get the shots for, and it, like it was funny because we're like, get your COVID shots too, but whatever, get these other yeah, ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> get get fortified first with these uh, essentials. Like not yeah. yeah. Um, but the the and we're just all more aware of that now, right? Like the fact that like. And we're just getting used to bringing them out into the world. There's like skills that I think we don't have as parents that my parents' generation absolutely had where, you know, just taking the kid everywhere you go, right? Taking them to the office, taking on trips, doing whatever. We like definitely are like transitioning from like only having them at home to maybe taking them on walks to, you know, he ate indoors at a restaurant for the first time today, right? Like that, that Mm -hmm. was a brand new experience. Um, And... So it's, it's, that's interesting, right? It's like a, it's a weird, it's a weird moment. And at the same time I went from COVID. So, so before COVID for work, uh, in the year 2020, I flew 250,000 miles between January 1st and March 15th. Uh, and then I went from that type of flight schedule to not flying at all for two years or maybe flying once, uh, in, in, in two years for, uh, emergencies. And that was great when Ash was just born to, to like not having to travel for the first six months of his life, other than maybe one or two trips was great that I'm no longer, hopefully, cause, cause Cass is grown as a team and I'm, it's not all on me anymore, uh, going to ever have to travel to that extent. But I have been back on the road in the last, uh, in February, I was gone f- four out of the five or the three of the five weeks or three of the four weeks I was on a trip. Uh, January, I went to Germany for 10 days for German toy fair for, you know, so, um, and that's sad. You like, it's weird going from being around him at all times to, um, less consistent, you know, like skipping a week and especially like literally this week from weekend to weekend, he learned how to shake his head no and how to climb onto the couch <laughs> so like you there there are things that are like you just oh, want to be there when those moments happen you, right so. well not even it's just he evolves so quickly that like you like you're like oh you're like a totally different person within the last seven days <laughs> and missing seven of those that's you know yeah, exactly. that time lost i think that answered your question <laughs> uh yes yes i dropped out for a second there but i think i think i got it um yeah, and maybe one day you'll just like come back, come back home, and he'll you've already learned to play Magic the Gathering or something. Like just, just they they grow up quick as oh, the cliche goes. Right? I mean, I've already he's already watching One Piece. Uh, <laughs> he's already watching oh, cartoons. Uh, I ha- he has like stuffed animals from every property I love. Uh, I mean, I named him after Ash Ketchum. Like right, if we're, if we're <laughs> that's, what That's what I figured. Um, you know, I'm. I like people are like, are you going to do the like the Bulbasaur, Squirtle, Charmander, uh, like choose which starter you're going to choose moment? The moment I'm like, I, he's kind of had those stuffed animals since he was born, so I don't, I don't know. He's there's never going to be a moment where he doesn't know what these three things are to choose what they are. <laughs> um, and uh, so it's it's been he'll be indoctrinated to all these things i don't have a religion i have a a a nerdiness that he will a a nerdy fandom yeah he's he's going to disappoint me and be a jock he's going to play football and basketball and he's going to be like dad he's going to disown one piece one day and then you're going to have to have a strict talk you know when i was a kid we watched one piece together but that's not cool anymore i only like uh (laughs) but if you want to play fantasy football that'd be great i'm like fine 
is there a chance that one piece just continues for another two decades where it's, um, it's, it just becomes a like a cross-generational thing so it I mean, kind it of already, already is but. it already yeah definitely already is that but uh we are in the last saga now the last saga was a six-year oh, so they've already process. said it's gonna be the last yeah okay. so so um we are i will do this with the minimalist amount of spoilers for one piece uh the in the manga they just finished what ended up being the longest arc in one piece and it was the end of a much longer saga in one piece and at the end of it he the the creator oda said we are now in the last like this is the last part and and since then in the manga on a week-to-week basis every every chapter is just like heater after heater some of the biggest mysteries the show has had running for 25 years are being revealed and end game boss level characters are coming into the show that we've you know known have existed for so long and um there's a yeah so so there's there's we are we are in the end zone now knowing one piece that means we have five to ten years left so who knows (laughs) um we are definitely there (laughs) there's also a chance always with anime or just stories like to have some sort of respawn right because i'm thinking about dragon ball and like how like oh you know the main storyline ended but there could always always be like expanded universe there there is zero chance when one piece ends that toei the the production company behind the anime and and will not just try to milk more out of it right there there will be a two-piece uh right like what (laughs) what what two-piece is i don't know because we don't know the ending of one piece um it could be and it could be anything right like it could be two-piece it could literally be a sequel because however it ends when they find the one piece what does that mean what happens to the world at large we don't know but um but it could also be a sequel a side quote right it could there are there are thousands of characters in this show and many of them yep. could have entire shows and mangas just about them it could be a prequel there are enough world like the world building of the show is is i mean and this isn't my word for it like one piece is considered one of the best world building pieces of content ever created um and so will there be content a la baruto but hopefully better about one piece when it ends absolutely Oda won't write it probably though. <laughs> uh, he okay. well, being a mangaka is terrible for you, right? Like, there's a reason. Like, as an industry, being a writer of a manga is absolutely awful for your health. the The creator of Hunter Hunter and Yu Yu Hakusho, which I have posters behind me for, um, famously like can't continue Hunter Hunter. It's not done, but he'll go on five year hiatuses because his back is so damaged from the art form that he can't sit down for more than 30 minutes at a time. Uh, The creator for My Hero Academia has like been unable to finish the series. He said it was supposed to end at the end of last year, but they've had to take breaks every month just because his health has deteriorated so much. And to be honest, the series is kind of rushing the ending because he's just trying to get to the end of it because his health can't handle it. Um, So like, and Oda has like made statements being like, you know, I'd like avoid my family three weeks out of a month because I need to get my stuff done. The reason I take a week off once a month now is just to see my kids or what, you know, like he'll retire. <laughs> he might not, he right. could do the, the, you know, the classic workaholic, uh, you know, once my, my, once my work is done, I don't know what to do with myself. So I end up working again, which happens to everyone. Um, but I would be surprised if he makes more one piece content versus other people making with his overarching, overarching approvals and, and et cetera. Mm-hmm. 
So, um, okay, this is going to jump back to something from before. So, well, it is, it is kind of related to this. But if One Piece is the Odyssey, then what is Magic the Gathering? I mean, I, I think there's an argument that's the odyssey of card games or like of, of tabletop games, right? Like there's an argument classically that Magic the Gathering is the greatest game of all time or the greatest board game of all time or whatever. Like many people have said that statement. There's a reason that like pro Magic players are maybe one of the most valuable game design resources in the game design world. Um, Magic itself is inherently not just one game. It's like 17 games in a trench coat. Uh, and... It does have features like that, right? Like the sensibility of game design over the last 30 years has changed and you can see it in magic. This and, and magic, like it's a, it's a mirror too, right? Like magic, not only has magic evolved as game design evolves, it adds double face cards. Cause you know, Yu-Gi-Oh did it. It adds uh, outside the game things. Cause hearts don't, you know, like it, it, it is evolving with, with the world, but it also affects the world, right? All, like trading card games in general existing at all arguably Pokemon's popularity comes a little bit from the basis of magic. Um, we we uh, have met with the licensing team for Pokemon at twice before. And one of them, they told a really good piece of information where like every piece of Pokemon content is an advertising for the card game. Literally everything they do, video games, TV show, stuffed in all content they make money on those things but it's not comparable to the card game and it is all an advertisement to sell cards um from their perspective oh, really? the licensors of the property who are licensing the anime and the cartoon of the games they those games exist so that they can create expansions for the card game right and like, it's the same parallel for magic right everything well, is to sell cardboard yeah yeah i mean of course with magic but but the point is that magic created pokemon right like not only did magic create the concept of a tcg which then pokemon used but wizards of the created coast that made, business model yeah but wizards of the coast made pokemon like pokemon is a wizards of the coast created design that then pokemon took back from them uh right which is why we'll never see a magic the gathering or a pokemon secret lair <laughs> yeah. that is not a that is not a good relationship um right but the so I think there that argument exists there, right? Like and 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 like storytelling wise, I can't think of many games that have the breadth of consistency and evolution and in canon storytelling in the games world, right? Like video game wise, maybe, but the titles like the amount of stories told over Halo, which is a you know, that game, the first one came out in 2001. Magic came out seven years before that. So they're comparably long franchises, which is weird because mm -hmm. that makes me feel old. But, you know, there's not that, there's only six, seven titles plus four expansion titles and like some books. The the Star Wars is comparable. Um, yeah, so I, I feel yeah. like you could make that argument that like, and you can see it within the stories being told, right? The story of the Weatherlight crew Versus is a reaction to, you know, Mark Rosewater wanting to tell long firm stories at that point. The Gatewatch is a direct response to superhero movies and wanting to yep. make characters and branded characters within the game that they could sell to a movie studio. Uh, mm -hmm. Literally the story, like the story we are seeing now in magic, the March of the machine story, the, the Phyrexia arc is a response to Endgame and then the Avengers game, the end, Avengers mm -hmm. Endgame movie. Literally today or tomorrow, there will be a story released 
based on what we know from the last story that will ha- that has the on your left moment from Endgame, where mm. all of the heroes are about to lose everyone is about to die but they're able to get like ran into a tree slash they were able to get you know the the glove onto the hawk's hand and they were able to bring people back to life and teferi and an army of people are literally coming through a portal onto the battlefield of phyrexia as will based on the promo art we've gotten Maybe I might be wrong here. We don't know this yet, but I'm assuming a bunch of legendary creatures and other characters from all of the over the multiverse will be coming through portals to fight Phyrexia. Um, like that's from Endgame. That's the end of Endgame. <laughs> and yeah. um, not to mention just even the relationship with like you know the 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 both One Piece and this have this as well, like the LGBTQ community representation in both where. One Piece is actually much farther ahead than Magic is, where Magic had the moment where they were doing it, but then when they wanted to start doing officially released international stories, they pulled back due to the laws of China, the laws of Iran, you know, different countries, Russia, places that they were distributing that uh, that's illegal in. Um, Wizards pulled back, which is extraordinarily problematic, and the way they did it was even worse. Um but then that they kind of flip the coin on that and, you know, they try at least to, to make it work. So I I think like it's different because it is more of a story by committee than, than one piece. Like one piece is the best selling single story by single author, right? Like it has beaten Harry Potter as the best selling single storyline ever sold. Um, Mm -hmm. As far as comic goes, I believe only Superman has sold more issues like of any type of book. uh, And Superman has been being written by like, you know, a thousand authors. A gazillion people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, so, like, magic is closer to a Superman where the amount of writers and content creators, the people making the story and the reason stories are happening are a very different reason than that. But that's also an interesting way to look at it, right? Like that, looking at magic as an art form of storytelling and understanding why those stories are told which is always important when you're kind of analyzing a story but then also analyzing the story itself is fascinating right there's a lot to learn and there's a lot to be told of the decisions that are being made or why this character is being killed off or why is this character being featured in the way that they are um that i love i mean i don't know i i I think i think the magic story is in generally underrated um heavily uh and the flavor of it in the world building has been something that is not, it's not given enough counter partially because it's always rushed, right? Cause it's always attached to this product release. And how do you tell a story in cards versus not And wizards is not always, or still probably hasn't figured out the best way to do it. Um, but I think that what's there, the people that are doing it care a lot and there is some amazing stuff in there. And, and this story, especially, right? There's a reason I was bawling for a day basically because of how heartfelt a story that they told was basically every story that magic has come out for with March of the machines. There's a moment that you're brought to some extreme emotion, be it once you find out it's Sarah talking to Elsbeth, convincing her to become an angel and save everyone on Phyrexia. When you realize that Vadrock, who I have a commander deck built around is the thing that you know, snaps in and destroys Luca for the final person uh, for the final time. The moment that like, you know, you watch the Strixhaven kids. My, the, right now, the video I have that has done the best is just a video showing the story of Quintorius, the elephant character from Strixhaven, who 
I am assuming his spark has ignited because that's what everything in the story says. We have not seen the card yet, but I'm assuming there's a card that all of you know and is probably dope. <laughs> um, but this little elephant kid who like went to a military academy, got kicked out, was expelled, realized that he was a lore hold archaeologist adventurer, found all of the things he could love in the world in the you know in Strixhaven. Um, found out, you know, temples of his, like the, the Loxodon people of his past and the great cities that they found, he discovers them, you know, all of this stuff. And then up to the point where he and his four friends help save his school against the Phyrexians and him grabbing onto the magic of his contemporary who was distracted because they were being attacked by Phyrexians to try and do both the Prismari as well as the Lorehold petals of the founding of the school ignites his spark and he teleports into in a you know to probably another plane and it's like this amazing pita artwork i just like walked through it using an audio from a country singer that i'm forgetting that's very famous that you know but whatever um and it has 100,000 views because people relate to it because people love this character because wizards has done a good job they miss they also kind of will go left when they should go right uh but they hit sometimes and, and, and you can tell amazing stories through a card game, I think not. And for two reasons, right? Like that's, it's been really interesting watching people's relationship with the magic story through this arc, because there is a heavy death toll, right? Mm -hmm. Eight of nine, if you count Tybalt, <laughs> uh, extraordinarily popular characters. Um, the faces of their game have been completed and theoretically killed once again, this could all be undone in three weeks. We could be getting a Teferi redo. Um, and, you know, from a storytelling perspective, it's phenomenal. They're, you know, it's it's extremely heartfelt. It's extremely tragic. It's terrifying. Um, but there's a lot of people being like, I'm not, I, I, you know, I just want more Jace cards to get printed. Like, if Jace dies here, then I'm like, I'm sad Gideon's dead still because I can't get more Gideon cards. And in a card game where being able to play with that character in standard, if that's your preferred format or draft is yeah. the main way of interacting with these characters. Then the fact that they had an extraordinarily heartfelt, greatly written, amazing death scene and that by having them die also creates stakes in the story you're taking and that any story that's able to tell a story that makes you feel emotions is inherently of quality or of value mm -hmm. at least. Mm -hmm. Um, is weird has it has a antithetical an antithetical is that a word <laughs> uh, yeah yeah it is yeah. it is it's, it's it's basically not in the same direction as like maybe the commercial goals which is to sell more jaces right yeah. right um and and and, and not even necessarily commercial because commercial i think there are benefits to having your story matter commercially right there's a reason that good yeah, stories true. sell things right like if if because on the other hand, if you didn't care about Gideon at all, you also wouldn't want to, you wouldn't, you wouldn't sell more Gideons. But as a person playing the game and who adjacently cares the story, now the character I like and relate to doesn't exist anymore or isn't going to get new cards while these other characters I maybe care less about do. And that is understandable, right? That's a, it's an interesting facet to the storytelling of magic. Like if Jace is your favorite character, you're not getting any more Jace cards if he's dead, he, I, I mean, at mm -hmm. this point, I'm heavily on the side that Jace is continuing in some way. But um, if you love Luca, if you're the rare Luca stan <laughs> there, uh, Luca's gone. And that means you don't get yeah. more Lucas anymore. Um, and, um, and because Magic is a game that part of your experience of interacting with the characters is 
embodying them, right? Like it's different. Mm -hmm. It's a game. So you are, especially legendary creatures and planeswalkers, you're taking on those roles as you're playing the game in a lot, especially in commander or oathbreaker. And there won't be new characters of that character anymore. Uh, So it's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's an interesting dilemma. And I'm, I definitely lean on the side that tell the good story, kill your characters, you know, like the the Mm -hmm. fact that I've, I think it is good that that Braska story was so powerful. Uh, and I don't think that could be, that could be true if characters can't die, or at least I can't think characters are going to die. Uh, and to think that character, there have to be die. some stakes, some Correct. consequences, as you said. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I think that, yeah, I don't even know how we got on that tangent anymore, but yeah, no, 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 no problem. And this is, this is actually a perfect segue to my, the next thing, which is, you know, one thing that really impressed me when we, when we met in LA and we actually talked for quite a while about your, your toy, uh, company slash empire you gave me the whole tour and we had the the photo in front of the wall and all that stuff it was really nice and we don't have to repeat the story here uh, it's probably you probably did it on the podcast or your podcast already too but like you ha- you gave me a good sense of how like your business understanding of the industry whether it's toys or collectibles or gaming actually allows you to analyze um actually allows you to analyze things for example you explained to me like you know why jumpstart was perfect for walmart and why, why the product exists and things like that. And you don't have to repeat that here. Right. But I'm just saying that like, yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, but I'm just saying that, uh, like, I feel like you have some sort of, not that this is a competition, but you have an edge in, in the sense that you are like an insider in the industry. And so I'm just wondering, like, what are things about to make this a question? Like, what are things about magic the gathering? Like whether it's like the storytelling or the products or, uh, marketing or anything that you feel like you're seeing that maybe other people may not just as just as a consumer they may not see because they're just they're just literally buying packs following spoilers reading stories and just playing the game like what's the stuff behind the stuff I, you know I, that you're seeing yeah i think i think like to kind of quantify maybe not the right word what you're asking or saying is is i definitely fall under a niche within the magic community where i have an insight into the manufacturing of toys and distribution of those toys and or products and or games to mass retail in the united states and internationally that most other if not many like very few other content creators in the magic space uh have and um and the ones that do often are directly attached to wizards in some way that also limits kind of their ability to discuss those their things. scope or perspective yeah or yeah like like muzzles. if you're a wizards employee okay. you can't talk about your walmart distribution model <laughs> you're not legal like you have nda nda sign that doesn't allow you to do that i can speculate and i don't know it right like i i know how jack like I've, I've worked at jack specific i've worked at maui toys i work at kess now um I work with other companies that work with those other companies that are big. I have friends that work at Mattel and Hasbro. Um, and um, understand, you know, how this process works, right? I understand the ma- manufacturing lead times. I understand that last September through, or really August through December, when product fatigue for magic was at its highest that it was caused partially by covid shipping logistics issues right the the factory that wizards worked with over i think a two-year period they said to develop the glue that works with the stickers that they had in in the unset that came out uh that was supposed to come out in march april of last year 
went out of business. Like the factory doesn't exist anymore and did it within the period of time that they were starting production on the game and on production on the stickers. So they had to find a new factory. And it's one of the reasons also the stickers don't work very well. Uh, and so they had to delay the product for six months. The, the Warhammer product was supposed to come out earlier that year as well. And it was also pushed like the get weird gap. People had a lot of product fatigue in the fall when it was like Dominary United followed by Warhammer, followed by the Unset, followed right. by Magic That was because 30. it was catch-up from was, earlier. Correct. In the there year. was three yeah. periods in the year that no products came out that they were supposed to have products come out, including the fact that basically from like Double Masters slash the Dungeons & Dragons set release in the beginning of June to September, there was no product releases. There was nothing in August. There was almost, I think Double Masters was the thing that came out in July technically. Um, and that wasn't on purpose. That was just because things got messed up. Uh, you know, the, the, to your point on jumpstart, right? Like people are like, oh, why did these jumpstart sets suck? And it's like, because they don't exist for you. They are the best learning tool to sell at a Walmart. Because a mom can buy two jumpstart packs and her kids can now play magic. And that is the best entree into magic that you could have because you don't need to play. Excuse me, it's not sealed. It's not draft. It's not a constructed deck. But those cards are still valuable and it still creates that pack opening experience, which is debatably brainwashing. But <laughs> mm -hmm. um, like, you know, that was kind of, I think, what we talked about, right? Like, oh, people are like, oh, this product sucks. I'm like, it's not the, the goal of the jumpstart product is not to sell it to anyone that plays magic regularly already. The, there is a jumpstart set every year, and I think a wizards, a thing wizards, a lesson wizards learned this year that I don't know if they've taken that lesson, but it definitely was one of the problems of product of 2022 was brand names and formats being the same thing can run you into problems, right? Mm -hmm. So the best example of that is the Baldur Gate, Commander Legends Baldur's Gate was a yep. Commander Legends set in the sense that Commander Legends means a Commander Legends draft format. You play eight players, you are trying to draft a commander, you get X amount of cards in your commander deck, you open X amount of packs, uh, you then go into two four pods that then split off into two additional pods after the first four. You know, like there is a format that is Commander Legends. But Commander Legends is also the set with a bunch of commander reprints meant for commander players that harks back to right. like the legends of commander kind of like a modern horizons or a, you know and so there was a lot of disappointment for baldur's gate because there were no reprints in it there was you know it wasn't a set made for it wasn't a commander master set it was a commander legends format centered around baldur's gate right which, and that created a conflict double yeah. Uh, Jumpstart has the same problem. There is a Jumpstart set for ingrained, in, in, uh, ingrained, but um, long-term Magic players, right? That is a bunch of powerful cards, new cards meant for sure. We can call them level. entrenched Magic. Players. Yeah, entrenched yeah. Magic players, uh, expert level Magic experience. But then every set also comes with Jumpstart packs as well. That is the same format. They're both. You buy two packs. You shuffle them together, your opponent buys two packs, they shuffle them together, and then you battle the deck against each other no matter what you got. But the beginner version of that doesn't have powerful cards in it. I didn't, as a ingrained Magic player, didn't even know this product existed until the second one came out. <laughs> and I was yeah. and I was like, oh, the Jumpstart packs are great to people on TikTok. And like the art and the comments like, we're not talking about the same product. And that's when I realized like, oh, 
this is what replaced set booster, not set boosters, uh, theme boosters from the year before. And it's a great idea. Like it's a, it works very well for its purpose, but Wizards has this branding issue. So it's going to be interesting to see how they handle that um, moving forward, just because that, that will, you know, that they, I think have recognized like, Hey, the namings of things and the way you play things are different things. And maybe we should do yeah. a better job at differentiating those. Yeah, new the the names do matter, and then the the interpretation, especially when it comes to the interpretation and expectations of those names, right? Um, I think that's something actually you called out multiple times in the latest pod. You you stressed multiple times that Lord of the Rings is a draft set. Lord of the Rings is uh, is it is it technically MH three, but it's it's a draft set. So there's certain expectations. I, I I'm not actually 100 sure. Actually, maybe I'm one of those people who are like just confused too yeah yeah so so it's two things right yeah the lord of the rings set is going to be a, a draft set it's also going to be a series of commander decks and i believe there's also going to be secret layers i can't promise on that last one um and that might be in the box topper because there's box toppers that are like acting like secret layers doing the godzilla treatment mm -hmm. where it's like this is bridge uh ensnaring bridge right. but it's the bridge of casa doom and all that artwork but um yeah so i mean that, it's an interesting one right because modern horizons has baggage behind it so this is not a modern horizon set right it, it, it is acting like a modern horizon set these cards are legal in modern directly right. into modern they're not going to be in standard in the same way that modern horizons were people are jokingly calling it modern horizons 3 because it is acting in that spot but two things one um wizards has stated this is much more meant to be an introductory set to magic this is closer to what a core set is from a power level perspective Partially because it is going to be an amazing introductory product. The amount of people I, I one, oh, one, oh no doubt right, like, Token fans and whatnot. Yeah. I had a ton of like anime TikTok mutuals. People that don't know anything about Magic reach out to me when I started. You know when the, started it's like, doing how do I play this game? Right? Yeah, like how do I play yeah. Magic? Lord of the Rings is coming out. This is sick. And I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> uh, let me explain Magic to you. Um, and the the world of Lord of the Rings is massive compared to magic and, and it's going to bring a bunch of people into, into the fold. Um, so it, it is meant to be a little bit more introductory. Uh, the wizards, I think also, you know, this was true of the first, uh, 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 in the forgotten realms, right? This is true of the first Dungeons and Dragons set. And it's been interesting watching as more of these uh, Universes Beyond sets have come out because it's ranged. Because um, the Warhammer Commander sets, for instance, were actually pretty powerful. Um, technically, you don't need to... You don't need a Ragavan to exist in the Lord of the Rings set to sell packs for the Lord of the Rings set. right? You don't need a slam dunk. We know this card is going to see play in modern no matter what happens. And it is costed in a way and pushed in a way that we know it's going to be great. Yeah. Um, and even I think Raghavan specifically was tuned in a way that they also didn't think they'd ever have to ban it. Mm -hmm. And that's debatable if that ended up being true, but they, I, that was their goal, right? It's just like, I want to create a card. Raghavan is an example of Wizards of the Coast making a card that they think is a slam dunk, going to be a staple in modern, Tarmogoyf level cost and play mm. without being, with specifically being pushed in a way. Without being over the line. Wait, yeah, yeah, it has weaknesses that they can, that players can lean into to make it so it doesn't need to be banned. 
I think they're a little off, but I think that is that was their attempt with Ragavan. Um, and, and they don't they don't you're saying they don't have to skirt that line because the IP itself will just make sure correct. that you know Frodo for six mana cells or whatever yeah. it is. I think yeah. it's modern legal because they want it to see play in tournaments, right? They want these cards to be tournament playable. They didn't want it to be in standard, and legacy doesn't exist. Sorry, legacy fans. So modern is the place to put it in. Um, mm-hmm. That's okay. No offense taken. As a, as a <laughs> I love legacy. I, I understand. Just, I, I understand. find a game. Of no, I know. No, I totally understand. No, I'm just, I'm just laughing along because uh, totally, totally. Yeah. Um, no, I, I get you. Yeah. And especially Sorry, for new you're, players, you're just saying, uh, yeah, for new players, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and but you don't, you know, you don't need it to be overpowered. There's going to be powerful cards in it. They already printed, like they already showed uh, the white remand, which like remand is a used to be the best counterspell in modern is now a a niche counterspell in modern um but in white is a totally different existence that's going to be fascinating to see how it sees play in the format um so there's going to be modern playable cards in this set just how how format warping this set is going to be compared to a modern horizon set i think is going to be significantly less um i also think i mean and talking to you know what you're mentioning like my perspective of toy and manufacturing etc in this you know we do a lot of licensed product at cast we um we have a line of anime puzzles we have a line of video game board games we launched mega man uh at the end of last year you can buy it on amazon (laughs) uh we have a um a contra game coming out later this year we have a street fighter game that we're partnering with another uh kickstarter company not kickstarter sorry let's go back Uh, we have a street fighter game that we partnered with a um a specialty kind of like large pre-order company that they're doing a launch on it right now um we have a spy x family game coming out later this year um and licensing is a big part of the lord of the rings set and like you know i I think it was i forget who it was but someone was like can anyone explain with any good reasons why this set is being costed at a premium costed set and i was like well Mm -hmm. one uh every license on the planet on average and lord of the rings is on the higher scale of this is going to add 10 to 20 percent of costs to anything (laughs) doesn't matter what it is that's just how licensing works there's a reason that if you go buy Star Wars paper plates, they're going to be 20% more expensive <laughs> than the non-Star Wars paper plates of the exact same quality. Yep. <laughs> um, so, like, minimum that. Two, the design process takes a lot more effort because it's no longer, hey, design this card, Mark Rosewater. Is this good? Yeah. You need approvals. It's, it's hey, Mark Rosewater, design this card. Is this good? I like it, but now let's submit it into the Lord of the Rings approval portal where they're going to go yeah. over the card and they're going to comment that, oh, hey, on this piece of artwork, it actually doesn't yeah. work that Frodo is looking at Sam that it like. And now, now it's like making a Hollywood movie. You got to yeah, yeah. get notes. Yeah, you gotta, yeah, yeah, like literally every piece of artwork has to be approved by not only just Wizards team, but the other team. There's a reason that all of the artwork in the Lord of the Rings set is 100% digital. There is no... Mm-hmm. Um, no proofs no, no handmade no, no. well yeah a none of the artists are getting proofs none of the artists are getting uh, have the rights to make prints of the product that doesn't exist which will okay. does add cost because that costs more for an artist to do that um sure yeah artists can charge a premium for like hey i don't get any back-end. yeah yeah because it, it's not their it's not their property essentially right. there, they, there's a buyout here that doesn't exist it. for yeah, you know regular magic art and and right, right. You know, a big part of artists' income, if you're a magic artist, is going to conventions and selling playmats and, oh, and prints and whatever of your artwork. That does not exist here. So there is a larger buyout yeah. per piece of artwork. 
And there's significantly more approvals because not only do you now have to go through the art director team at Wizards for approvals, you have to go through the Lord of the Rings management company, the, the estate, the estate or whatever, of, you know, of, yeah. of Tolkien uh, approvals. There is that's just artwork. That's not including abilities or costs or that's graphic design elements cream. or yeah. uh, the names of cards, the flavor text on cards. You know, the mm. like which cards are allowed to be in alternate frames with their cards, like all of that, every piece of that required multiple teams to deal with it full time for over two years. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so that's why, that's why it costs. I mean, like there's also a little bit of like, you know, wizards knows, Hey, we can make more money by charging a little bit more for this because it's Lord of the Rings and we'll get people to buy this regardless. Sure. Yeah. Um, the but it. the yeah. costs that are making that happen are those two things. And, and I think a lot of people go into it being like, Oh, they're just printing the same card, but they print everywhere else. Why does this cost so much? And there are, those are the reasons, right? Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, speaking of, um, in terms of the, the, the Lord of the Rings artwork, I'm not sure if you guys talked about it recently or maybe even a year ago when it was first done. Like, do you guys have any, or do you personally have any opinions about the depictions of characters, like having certain skin tones and not? Oh, I, I mean, I have opinions. They're like very positive. <laughs> uh, my, I have two opinions. I have my first, my positive opinion is great. Please wizards, you know, the, the, I know for a fact, because interviews of J.R. Tolkien would retroactively change his content to A, uh, remove offense, right? Uh, uh, there are things that he did in the first drafts of his stuff or the original releases of his stuff that finding out later were considered offensive to people that he changed. Uh, B, for his own canon, The Hobbit was written before Lord of the Rings. The One Ring was not the One Ring when he wrote The Hobbit and was specifically and multiple times referred to in a way that made it non-canonically make sense for it to be The One Ring. And in releases after the Lord of the Rings came out, he changed it. <laughs> so the idea that J.R.L. Tolkien even considered his own work holy ground that could not be changed is... Can I swear on your podcast? Yeah, you can. Total yeah, bullshit. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. He would be the first person. He would be first in line to say, hey, you know what? You're right. Modern day era, I want people to ki- like, I want people that love my stories to be able to see themselves in my stories. That's the regional reason I made these stories is because at the time he thought that England didn't have good enough backstories for their own country because they were an amalgamation of 60 different cultures. And so he created something for them because he wanted to see representation for them. And so he would want this. This is a thing he would be in favor of. Um, so beyond just the fact that anyone who's like on a purist level, they're like, oh, they're changing the original source material, blah, 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 blah. Fuck them. <laughs> Two, uh, the negative side of it is I feel bad for the harassment people are actively receiving, including myself, when talking about this content. I had to block 30 people on TikTok and Twitter the day of... Um, these cards coming out because they were being actively racist on my feed and in other people's feeds. And a, I didn't want them to have any type of platform and B don't want them around. So good that I found them, right. That's always the, like the, the, Mm. the, the benefit side of all of that type of coin, which is like, Oh great. People outed themselves. I don't have to deal with them anymore. And they maybe were deal. I was having to deal with them before and not knowing it or creating a, a toxic community for people by, having these people unknowingly even be a part of it. So great. I'm glad they're gone. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, I guess my strong, uh, like is, is great. <laughs> Do it more. Um, I think that, you know, the, the, 
there's also the argument of like, hey, not, you know, changing characters is one thing, but also we should be creating new characters that are as as well developed as these characters in the future. And that's obviously very true. But you can't do that for Lord of the Rings. Right. And and uh, and even when they did do that, uh, people were mad. Right. The 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 Amazon show um had similar levels of vitriol and racism thrown at it due to the fact that they had um uh people of african descent playing playing uh dwarves or or uh you know they added yeah i remember there was some discourse about that right um, i didn't watch the show and uh that's bs but right like who cares <laughs> and so like it's 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 the goalpost moving right in that conversation that always happens, which is like, no, you should create your own characters. Okay, then they do that. No, no, but not like that. Do it, do it. You know what you really <laughs> should do is not do this, and like yeah. that's what it really is. And like, yeah. you know, does does to me the value I have, and you can go to my TikTok. It's in my Lord of the Rings, Magic the Gathering uh, playlist on TikTok. I stitched a content creator on the app who is bawling because he's so excited and happy to see someone like him in Lord of the Rings, his favorite property of all time. And literally, if that is the only person that's fucking happy about it, <laughs> then it's worth it. <laughs> well, there's a silent majority, I'm sure. Like, oh, oh, like, oh. there just, are just, yeah. significantly more people than just him that are. But if that that are that are not on that are not on these unreal spaces like TikTok and Twitter, like, and I'm just yeah. If, if, if like literally, if you get one person to have that positive a reaction to this, and you piss off a bunch of racists, great, <laughs> worth it. The fact that there are thousands hundreds of thousands of people that are going to see this and feel like they're welcomed into this community in a way that they've never felt before is yeah. phenomenal and like represent so, yeah yeah so i totally i'm totally with you in terms of like the net positive and things like that and and also what you said about like even Tolkien wasn't that he was open to reinterpreting or like reimagining his his work about the ring and things like that um i'm just gonna put this out there as a devil's advocate right um everything that you said is good uh, the net effect is good. Uh, don't get me wrong. But is there some... I've also heard a little bit of criticism, and I don't know to what extent, is that, like, this is, like... What about the fact that Wizards is, like, is doing it? Because the net effect is good. But the intentionality, I feel, like, that has been criticized, too, is, like, okay, I'm trying to appease to a certain demographic. And, like, there, so, is there a way to talk about that in a way that doesn't talk about, like, people who are are racist for like not like liking that direction yeah, yeah. There, there's a real criticism of corporations using diversity to shield themselves from critique right that i think that is that is i think what you're kind of getting more towards is yeah yeah that's is, that's pretty much you said it better than that yeah way. yeah uh you know where like marvel will do this where it's like hey you're not allowed to dislike uh the eternals because it's the most diverse movie we've ever made when like that movie is relatively very. No, I can dislike it because the story's bad. Yeah, or whatever. yeah. Like, <laughs> like, like other reasons. That's not you know? why I didn't yeah, like you this can't movie. Use that as a shield. Um, yeah. And what is the level that corporations are are using that piece to defend against that? And you know, I, a I think it's different with magic and a card game and re-representing characters from that world into that card game that is like. The Lord of the Rings set could be the worst drafting experience ever created. I don't think it will. <laughs> I, mean, I think they're very good at ma making magic, right? But, like, or, like, the, let me rephrase that. 
and you can keep that in there. Like, like there's no way this set's going to be so terrible that, w- like, it's not like a movie, right? Where like the reviews of it, it's not going to be unplayable. Correct, or yeah. right? Like, it, a magic is a little uh, failure proof in that way. Where there's like safeguards for that. Yeah. What, like, a Wizards is very good at making their game. Like, the worst draft format of the last five years is still better than draft formats in years previous to that, right? But in the same way that like every Marvel movie is good. Right, like if you if you want to talk about what a bad movie is, no Marvel movie is a bad movie. There are less enjoyable ones. There's mediocre ones, but they're not like a bad movie is. A, there's a significant a lot of tiers you can go below that. <laughs> sure, there's a formula uh, to at least like have a story and have like some stakes or whatever. Right, yeah. they're well crafted. They have characters that are good actors that are doing a decent job, and they're messy and they're not as good as the other ones. And they might be boring, but they're not bad. Um and magic will fall under a similar suit but even less problematic because not only because like there's only one way really to interact with a marvel movie you'll watch it uh or a, a disney movie in general uh in magic like every card the, to for a magic set to fail every legendary creature in the set has to be uh n- like uninteresting in commander which the chances of that happening is zero uh the the like all of the cards have to be so overcosted that they're not playable in any tournament format which we've already seen is not true uh three the limited format has to be bad both in sealed and in draft and in any other wacky limited format you could play uh Four, the cards have to be not good in popper. And five, the fact that there has to be no reprints in the set that are worth anything. And for all of those things to be true, which we've already seen in three different ways, are are the opposite of true here in the set, where there are interesting legendary creatures. There is a modern playable staple already printed in it, if not more than just the one, um, the White Remand. Uh, and uh, there is a... Um, they're they're doing the box topper. There are reprints in the set of cards that are going to have unique, valuable reprint value. Uh, so... They've they've risk mitigated like failure basically. Yeah. So like so... Uh, basically the converse of that is like the only way this could objectively quote unquote fail is like if they had you know five Ragavan ban worthy cards. Yeah, it definitely could be not going that so direction. powerful that it's problematic. Sure, and that is one. Yeah, other... That's not happening already. So. <clears throat> and it could happen, but like debatables on failure there because like how that relates to different format like i think right, right, like, right, 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 the yeah. amount of times wizards have printed a mechanic or a card series that i would consider a failure of that level is once and its companion like uh and delve maybe <laughs> uh or maybe dredge three times three set three mechanics and dredge maybe 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 storm yeah that's, even that's storm, no but like there. storm is one of the most beloved gameplay experiences in magic right like it's bad if it's the best deck in the format and it's bad if it's good in standard but if you talk to there are swaths of magic yeah, players it's, a, are, it's a mainstay in cube it's, it's like it's like right like i think the gameplay experiences and it and yeah like, the fact that you could play storm in modern horizons one is one of the reasons it's the best draft format of all time dredge also there right companion is maybe the one good example that really 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 boils down to like 
hey, no good in yeah. competitive formats, this is broken so thoroughly that they had to retcon it, and it's the one time they've ever had to do it. It has cards banned in Vintage. like, And it's still problematic after retconning. You've had it, since you've retconned so. it, you've had to ban two cards in Modern. Um, but on the, the, the coin flip on that, Companion is maybe my favorite mechanic in Commander, period. Right? I, like, I think it's one of the most creative ways to make building decks in Commander interesting again. So, like... Mm-hmm. And, I don't think Wizards is yeah. including uh, characters of color in uh, the Lord of the Rings set uh, with the purpose of being able to use it as a defense against criticism. And I and I, I honestly don't believe that most people are doing that. When people use that as a complaint, I think even in Disney's case or in other ones, I think I think that it retroactively can be used that way, right? I think like sometimes uh, people's issues with the movie will be ignored because they get lopped into the actual problematic races that are also complaining about that movie. Um, but I don't think that the intent of changing that a character to a different background uh, or changing the history of a character to a specific background is intended from the forefront of being like oh if we make a bad movie then people can't criticize this because i don't think a single person at disney is trying to make a bad movie Mm -hmm. right like no no one that made eternals wanted that movie well all them everyone in the movie wanted the movie to be great the honestly the movie is close to being great i think my biggest complaint for that movie is it should have been a disney plus series even though the budget for that wouldn't have existed because it was just too much for a two-hour experience um Mm -hmm. and you know, I think that's true. Like, I, I don't like the people that made Morbius didn't want Morbius to be bad. It like happened to be bad. Making a movie that's good is a miracle. Yeah, I mean, I, I enjoyed it. I was kind of upset that they didn't have. They're not picking it up, but uh, <laughs> to each their own, right? Hey, I mean, I and and that's the other point. Like, I also really don't things. like Marvel movies, so uh, you know, to each their own. Yeah, yeah. but um, which is but I, I see your point. It's yeah, the yeah. execution. The intention is there, but the execution may not be there. Like the whole like you know, should TVs be. Should this movie be a TV show or vice versa? That's definitely valid. Yeah. And 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 yeah, I think I think like yeah, to 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 answer your devil's advocacy, I don't think anyone's going into any of these properties intending to use this as a way to get around the the criticism because I don't think anyone ever makes it's not totally true, but I think for the majority of times people are making these properties and spending 250 million dollars making a movie or the hundreds of thousand dollars making a game or whatever, they're generally doing it to make something good and they believe and i believe with them that making things more diverse makes things better inherently (laughs) um yeah yeah. i think i answered your question (laughs) it it does it does um although i would just i would just add another little sub devil's advocate in there too which is like yeah sure maybe diversity itself is not uh let, let's put it this way. Like, I know for a fact, and you probably know this too, that Wizards, like, the left hand doesn't talk to the right. So it's very possible that there's someone working on game design, like, okay, we're not gonna, we're, we're gonna try not to fuck this up, like, make this a, a bad set or whatever. But there's always gonna be another hand or another arm that's like, let's push diversity, let's, let's, like, do certain things. And they don't necessarily talk to each other or on the same track. So it's not, so, like, you could have agents operating independently and still trying to achieve their things, because that's just what happens in a, large corporation not just uh hasbro yeah i I think i think you know in there are corporations out there that are evil that are intending to do evil and do evil things fair 
I, I think that the majority of evil dealt by corporations are due to them being hydras of content creation or activity in the sense that like it's 70 different heads all trying to do the best thing for their head. And sometimes that involves biting the neck of another one, <laughs> or sometimes that involves destroying a village and pretty good it's, analogy. It's evil. Yeah. And like what they're doing is bad, but it's bad through incompetence, not bad through, uh, it's bad through incompetence and selfishness and trying to cover your own ass. Yeah. Not, not evil through like, I'm going to blow up this town. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. Yeah. Right. Like, I think it's called Hanlon's razor, right? You know how there's Occam's razor. Like the most obvious explanation is the right one. I think Hanlon's razor, I believe, is like the idea that like don't attribute to malice what can be better explained through incompetence. Sure, sure, like sure, sure. The, right, the right, left right. To the right. And and so, fine. And and I think that corporations are for the right reasons trying to increase uh, diversity and inclusion and that world, but because they are capitalistic nightmare monsters, uh, they're going to be stumbles. And that sucks, but I'd rather them stumble trying to collectively do the right thing, even if it fi they're doing the right thing only because it makes financial sense, right? The, the, you know, the rainbow capitalism, right? Where it's like, this is a company who's selling a bunch of rainbow content during Pride Month because they know it'll make them a ton of money, even though they're like donating money to right-wing uh, politicians that are voting against LGBTQ or trans rights uh, uh, policies, right? Like that, that, are, that, that is in some ways what kind of you're, you're talking about. Um, I'd rather them still do the good thing <laughs> and work yeah. to solve the bad thing than to not do the good thing at all. Right. Right. Cause it, you know, the, there's also like the statement of like, outcome is all that matters, right? Like it, it doesn't matter why, like it's better for an evil person to do a good thing accidentally than for a good person to <laughs> not do a good thing or to do a bad thing yeah. accidentally. <laughs> like intent doesn't that, matter, that, yeah. outcome matters. And as long as the outcome is good, I'd rather people have bad intents to create good things than good intents and create bad things, I guess. <laughs> yes. Yes, I, I, I'm, I'm laughing, giggling a little bit, but I actually agree quite a bit with this. And uh, um, so actually on that note, I think we're, we're um, wow, we're two hours into it. Uh, I guess if we include the, the pregame. So Alex, can, I just want to say like, forever, so. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. so, so, um, you know, I want to be respectful of your time. Uh, and also the fact that like you've been so much, so many, so many good tidbits today. So the last thing I'll ask you is what is the best place for people to find you? on social or wherever you would like to be found. I'm so bad at this question because it's like a lot of places. Uh, so um, if you're looking for magic content, uh, the MMCast YouTube channel, the Masters of Modern YouTube channel, and or on a podcast app is where we're releasing content regularly about modern. That is our modern podcast home. Uh, if you want more of just me, uh, at Kess Wiley on probably TikTok and Twitter are the best two locations, uh, though, it, like, basically every social media app that I've ever joined, which is most of them, uh, early adopter here, uh, at Kess Wiley works on all of those. But TikTok and Twitter are definitely the two places I would say those are the best place to follow me. Uh, and then if you want some of the like toy stuff or stuff. So uh, I, my toy company is called Kess, Kess.co is our website. Uh, we're the largest manufacturer of uh, like dance hoops, like the hula hoop, uh, which is not us, but a competitor, but hoop uh, products in the world. So uh, if you go to a Walmart or a Target or a Party City 
or a Joanne's Fabrics to a Barnes and Noble and you buy a hoop, it's probably ours. Check those out. Uh, we also do uh, puzzles and tabletop games. So if you go to a Five Below right now and you see a Jujutsu Kaisen or Haiku uh, puzzle or uh, Chainsaw Man or Spikes Family starting this fall, um, three hundred piece puzzles. That's us. Uh, or if you go to like a Barnes and Noble and uh, right now um, at Barnes and Noble, Books a Million. Uh, and then Amazon, we have a Mega Man game that we launched last year uh, in partnership with another company called Blacklist. Uh, but then we have a Spyx Family com- game coming out this summer. We have a game called Murder uh, We Wrote, which is a uh, a party game in the in the in the facets of Cards Against Humanity, but centered around um, you are a uh, true crime podcast host interviewing uh, people talking about murders that have happened. Uh, so that'll be coming out this fall as well. Uh, Very meta. Yeah. And then uh, we have a Sonic game coming out, hopefully by the end of this year. But uh, all these, if we're if you're at Gen Con, uh, that's where we're gonna have a big launch party, and we're gonna have our booth there. So we'll, if you're at Indianapolis Gen Con, I'll be there as well. Uh, I think those are all the things I'm supposed to. Get and out. it's, it's Kess.co, right? Yeah, kess.co dot co is our website. Okay, I feel like I like I feel like for the YouTube version of this, I almost need to put up like a like a PowerPoint slide or something that lists all the things like, that you like do. a like a but, no just like have me photoshopped uh with like the wall from always sunny with like all the red lines and postcards behind yes. me uh, yeah 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 that's it that's it that's it that's it yeah and uh, of course for delicious one piece content from alex kessler you just have to wait sometime into the future for that to happen it's, uh, or just listen back to this episode it t- yeah tick <laughs> tiktok is a there is a lot of one piece content on tiktok so if that's that's currently my uh outlet for all of the not podcasts that i haven't started right on thank you alex so much for your time thank you for having me